welcome to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Emma. I'm Becky. And I'm Tash. Sorry, I forgot to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can never get the intro right, so... It's literally the one thing we do every single week. Why is it so hard? I don't know. So many distractions. (laughs) I forgot to talk. You're doing a podcast. That's all you've got to do. <laughs> talk. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, hello. Hello. Episode 30. The big 3-0. Who'd have thunk it, hey, when we started? Yeah, especially in the first episode where it was so awkward. Oh, so <laughs> awkward. And anybody who listened to the first episode and is still here, episode 30. Well done. And thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you sticking with us. Absolutely. Well, I think anybody who listens to podcasts know the first few are a bit rough, right? I think it's fair. And actually, I was talking about the podcast to somebody the other day. And they were like, asking about equipment and stuff like that. And I I just relayed how we do it. And I listen to podcasts that are definitely earning money from it. And I actually think our sound quality is better, but their sound quality doesn't take away from my enjoyment of listening to their podcast. No. Do you know no. what I mean? Like, but I think, I think we've nailed it, girls. I think, I think we're onto a good thing here. So, uh, <laughs> that's basically what I was getting at. Yeah. So episode 30 will be our last for the season, but we will be back in what, two, three weeks with yeah. a second season. Yeah. I might actually put a question, because on Spotify you can add questions or polls, yeah? Oh, cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, to see if anybody's got anything they want us to talk about in the second season. Any specific cases or hauntings? Send oh, them in. Oh, that's a fun idea. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah I might do that. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. Before we get started, mm. you know that Chills and Kills episode where we talked about shit a lot? And <laughs> you... you, you <laughs> Tash, you said somebody would always poo in the pool. <laughs> yeah. And then as me and Becky were absolutely horrified yeah, by the yeah, idea yeah, yeah, that yeah. this was a regular occurrence. <laughs> so, yeah, so me and Becky then decided that if it was a solid one, it was just scooped out and they, like, filtered the pool extra chlorine. Yeah. But if it was a runny one, they'd have to drain the pool, yeah? Yeah. Logical, Yeah. Well, it turns out that one of our listeners worked at a water park and they never drain the pool. No oh, matter never, what. Never, ever? Never. Even, even when it's a spreader? Even if it's a spreader, man, it just gets passed oh. through those filters. So you're filtering it, filtering it out and then it comes back in and then it oh, goes in your mouth. Oh, what a gag. <laughs> <laughs> huh, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how it gets clean, though. Because of the chlorine, isn't it? With the chlorine, but still. Yeah, but, mate, if you... I'm sorry, I don't understand. If you have had liquid shit in a a pool... Yeah. I don't understand how the water's still not brown. Well, don't ask me. I'm not... I don't know the logistics. That's just what she said. Oh, it's making um... me feel really queasy. Oh, That was our listener, Erin. So thanks for that little bit of information. Oh, but I've... uh, The water's been in my mouth. 
<laughs> oh god, oh no, that's making me feel yeah, but sick. Then every, if you see a child in the pool, uh, that child has peed in there as well. So you also have that child's pee. Pee and shit are two very different things. Yeah. <laughs> pee is a given, shit is not. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, so yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that fun fact. Oh, and you know we were talking about... I can't remember if it was on the same episode or not. We were talking about yawning. No. When was that? I I think no, it I was. I think it was Tasha was taking Poppy out. I think it was that episode, but I disappeared because I was listening to it in my car laughing <laughs> so much. It was the episode with the toenails. And you know what? As you were talking about the yawning, I could not stop yawning in my car. Uh, well, yeah. don't. I'm going to start yawning again. No, don't! <laughs> <laughs> so, I've had an explanation for this as well, and I completely forgot to mention it. See, last episode, we're wrapping up all the loose ends. Yeah. So, Learning so much. One of our listeners called Megan messaged us on Facebook, and she actually explained it to me. She said it's a, a primal instinct, because when you yawn, you send... More oxygen to the brain. So, so it sends more oxygen to the brain, so it wakes you up. Yeah, I don't. It's not working, peeps. <laughs> so, the fact that it's contagious is because back in the day when we needed like to protect ourselves from like saber toothed tigers and shit. If somebody yawned, then everybody else would yawn and it would wake everybody up so they were ready for whatever oncoming danger was coming. And that is why it's so contagious. Oh, there you go. So every day's a school day. I don't think it counts when you've literally worked two weeks in a row without day off. No, I'm talking like cavemen and stuff, Tash. Oh, uh, so what? We've we've still got the yawny thing. but We've actually, got the yawny thing. But it doesn't wake us up anymore. <laughs> No, because we're not living, well, in my opinion, we're not living like humans are supposed to live anymore. Now we just all walk around in a constant state of exhaustion, which is just not natural. But hey, that's just me. Uh, Yeah, I'm next to you right there. Yeah, this is <laughs> complete bullshit. Yeah. Who spends their life going to work every single day just to be able to live? Yeah, we could, if we could go back to like bartering and stuff like that, that would be fun, wouldn't it? What do you mean, like swapping some chickens for some eggs or yeah, stuff like just that? go back to living really simple lives and everything's just done on you have very little money, but yeah, I think that would be easier. Yeah, well, I I honestly do think society and technology have grown so much more than uh, than we've evolved. And that's why there's so much mental health issues and that everybody's just constantly exhausted or sick or sad. It's just because we're not supposed to be living like this, man. We're supposed to be in our little village huts, you know, just chilling. Yeah. Yeah. That's just my thoughts. So if you lived in a small village community like one of those, what would your role be? What do you think your role would be in that community? This is a fun question. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I'd probably be the witchy one, wouldn't I? Healer, something like that. I'd definitely be, I'd be like auntie. I'd be everyone's like childcare auntie. Well, carer, this is it. Again. Looking after the, the elderly. That's what it's supposed to be like. You know, they say it takes a village, right? Yeah. Where's my fucking village? Mate, I'm, <laughs> Do you know? I'm, I'm the village. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're a bit far to be my village, sweetie. Becky, what would your role be? I don't know. You make good food, though, don't you? Maybe I was going to say be... probably something to do with food. Yeah. Cooking at all the stuff or, and then shouting like... at everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then shouting, shouting at everyone that I'm not getting any help and then shouting at everyone the minute they come anywhere near the kitchen because there's too many people in there. <laughs> I'm in mum life. Yeah. I can I can definitely see myself just wandering around the forest picking all my roots and herbs and making so nice. potions and yep. Yep. Definitely. And I can see myself sat there with the kids looking after them all. Like I love nothing more than cuddling a baby. Like oh, I just love it. Should we just do that? Should we just fuck everything off and just like move into some kind of community? No, because then it won't be as a community. We'll accidentally join a cult or something. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I'm actually down for a cult. Like, I think fun. <laughs> that needs to be a t shirt down for a cult. <laughs> I, shall, I shall add it. Let's remember that down for a cult. <laughs> literally every one of our t-shirt slogans are going to be things that comes out of tasha's exhausted mouth yeah i want to be a drug lord's wife <laughs> yeah i forgot to write that one down that was a good one <laughs> sake oh dear oh, bless you tash you make this podcast you know oh yeah. look it's the bigger picture peeps i mean me and bex do all the hard work and everything but yeah <laughs> She just Thanks. swoops in with these one Yeah, just swoop in with the ideas and uh, funny, funny stuff. So you're down for a cult, but what type of cult? Because there's Any. some pretty fun I definitely want to be dancing naked at some point, I think, fun. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, you can do that anyway. Let's do yeah. it at, the, at Tom's wedding. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oi, oi. <laughs> anyway, oh I suppose we should start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we should I'm start. laughing. I'm so weird sometimes, aren't I? No. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> you? I just Never. say the most ridiculous things. Who says I'm actually down for a cult? But I mean it. I'm, I, I genuinely think that'd be cool. Really? It depends how extreme it is, but yeah. What's that cult where they got everybody to drink the Gatorade? <laughs> And they all died. Oh, that was no, not that, cool. Oh, that's that was Jonestown, funny. wasn't it? Oh, that was Jonestown. Yes, you're right. Gatorade? Yeah, that, Gatorade, yeah. Why did they die from that? Because they put arsenic in it or something like that. Oh, God. Yeah, arsenic. And um, But it was awfully blocked up off the whole thing. Like, if you didn't drink it, they'd shoot you. So they had to do it. Because people had to give it to their kids and everything oh, was horrible. Lord. Yeah, no, it's uh it was like like two hundred and forty people or something down. Oh yeah, it was, it was something quite horrific. It was a huge amount of number of people. That's and madness. it's not a nice way to die either. Arsenic poisoning. No. No. So not down for that kind of cult, right? No. No, I don't want to kill anyone. Oh, that's well, right, I'm not then. saying you'd kill. See how she jumps to the conclusion that no. automatically Tash she's wants a cult to put flowers in her hair <laughs> and dance round the fire naked. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> Just a little shout out to another podcast who has given us some uh, really nice support over at Twitter. They gave us a little shout out on their show. Um, it's a podcast called Please Don't Follow Me Home. 
and it's two sisters and they go and do i mean they're you know like we we taught the talk but these girls walk the walk they actually go out and do like paranormal investigations and capture evps and play oh, wow. them on their podcasts yeah yeah no it's it's really good it's really interesting and uh oh, cool. yeah so shout out to them if you're into the spooky stuff go and follow them yes so as i said it's called please don't follow me home and uh thanks for all the support we appreciate it yes we do thank you yes so are you ready for the old tuella hospital part three yes i am yes <laughs> all right Tash. yes <laughs> yes i am never been more ready <laughs> actually i am ready so yes this is the last time for season one that I will be telling a spooky story. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I didn't know how to react to that. Ooh. Well, Becky nailed it with Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, as said previously, the Tweller Hospital didn't have a morgue. Do you remember that? I do. Smelly, smelly. You... Actually, ask the question like, what up until like modern day they never had a morgue, and I now have the answer. No, oh, well they never had a morgue. Oh, which seems quite odd when you consider the sad fact that a lot of people do in fact die in hospital. So the solution that the staff found was to use room twenty and twenty-one as a temporary morgue, where the bodies would be placed awaiting collection. Of course, this meant that these rooms had heightened paranormal activity. And one night, as Kim, so Kim's the owner, again, if you haven't listened to the two previous episodes, probably not going to get this one, so I'd go back and listen to the previous two. So Kim was conducting a ghost tour, and they were in room 21, and he started recording trying to capture EVPs. After the investigation, Kim listened back to the audio, fully expecting to have caught something as it was so rare not to catch anything in that building, because it was like, well, it is ridiculously haunted. Yeah. But he wasn't expecting the full-blown conversation that was present on his audio recording. He had caught the voice of a little boy. He had answered every question that had been asked at the time. So, you know, the way EVPs work, they can only really note, you know, they know if they've got a response when they listen back at the time they don't know or not, yeah? Yeah. So he's listening back to this audio and realising that he was literally having a conversation unbeknown to him with this little lad. That's weird. Well, yeah, it's, well, it's a paranormal for you. That's what we're here for. It is. So the little boy told him his name and he told him how he died. And it turns out that this little boy had been shot by a oh. family member by accident. Oh. oh, no. And that he had later died in hospital. Oh, so this riveting information, of course, made its way onto the ghost tours because, it, you know, it was a really interesting story. Too good not to tell. So one night, as Kim was giving the ghost tour, you know, and talking about all the different ghosts that we've talked about over the last few episodes. Yeah. Um, he started telling the story of the little boy he got to talk to in room 21. But in this ghost tour, he used the boy's actual name... And he told the whole story that this little boy had been shot by a family member by mistake and he died. So at this point, he notices that there's a woman in the group and she starts to cry. Oh, no. So he's like, okay, no big deal. Let's just carry on as if nothing's happening. Well, that's shit. He should have asked her if she was all right. Well, give me a minute. He didn't want to embarrass her. 
you know, in front of a group of people. But at the end of the tour, he... <laughs> so angry at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fucking hell. I'm not angry. <laughs> so at the end of the tour, he made sure to go and check on her. He approached her and asked, are you all right? And as she turned to look at him, he saw that the sadness was now turning to anger. So he kind of systematically took a few steps back thinking, oh, Jesus, she's going to deck me in a minute. Yeah. That little boy you mentioned that got shot, he was my nephew. Kim tried to explain to her how he knew about it, but she would not let him speak. How do you know? She shouted. Who told you? You know things that nobody knows, that no one can know. The only people who know that story are the family. So again, who told you? Because for all these years, we've been trying to protect the person who shot him. So it's very important I know who told you. Where did you get this information? You know, she's pissed. She feels like there's been some family betrayal going on. So it suddenly dawned on Kim that the hospital hadn't been closed for that long and that some of the spirits, therefore, were relatively recent deaths. It never really crossed his mind before that the hauntings or EVPs or any photo evidence that they caught could ever hurt or upset any of you know anyone visiting. But of yeah. course, all these people are going to have relatives that are going to still be alive today kind of thing. Yeah. So he decided to just tell her the truth, that it was her nephew himself who had told them. She, of course, brushed this off as nonsense. He offered to go and get the recording so she could hear it for herself, that he was telling the truth. He played the recordings and she just turned to him with tears streaming down her face. That's his voice, she said. It really is him. Then she paused and said, Why did he not pass over? Why is he stuck? Now, Kim didn't know what to answer. This whole situation was extremely complicated and awkward, and he was terrified of making anything worse. Yeah. Can I go talk to him? She asked. And Kim agreed. He didn't know what else to do. And so the two set off for room 21. She called out to the boy, asking if he was really there. For a while, they got no response, until eventually a little yes came through the recorder. Thank God, thought Kim, at least now there's no denying that he was being truthful. Are you stuck here? she asked. No, was the reply. Are you in pain? No, he said again. She had received the answers she wanted and with a huge sigh of relief, Kim closed up Asylum 49 for the night and went home. The next day, his heart dropped again when he saw that he had received an email from the little boy's mum. She wanted to come and talk to Kim as soon as possible. They agreed a time later that day. They met up and Kim played the initial EVPs for her. And again, she started crying and she said, well, it does sound a lot like him. I'd love to be able to talk to him just one more time. Let's go try then, said Kim. And off they went to room 21. They took a recorder and a flashlight to try and use as a form of communication. A bit like with the little boy and the tall man in the staff kitchen area from last week. Do you remember? Yeah. 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 So the mother called out for her son and the torch instantly turned on. She asked for him again and again the torch switched on. They then continued the conversation with private questions that only her and her son could know. And the little boy answered correctly every time. 
She stayed in the room talking to her son for a few hours. He told her that he was fine, and then what happened was no one's fault. It was an accident that was always going to happen because it was his time. He said it was beautiful where he was now, and he had everything he could ever wish for. He told her to stop feeling sad and guilty, and then, just like that, he left, and the torch remained off. The mother thanked Kim and didn't really say much else, and she left. A few weeks later, he received another email saying that she needed to thank him again for taking away the burden this family had been carrying for years. The person who shot the little boy, of course, blamed himself every day of his life and could now at least find some comfort in knowing that there was no hard feelings and that it was always meant to happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. Kim felt extremely relieved, but from then on, they kept the information they received through EVPs to a minimum on the ghost tours, never giving any intimate details about the person's passing because you never knew who was going to be on the tour. And he definitely did not want a repeat of the little boy in room 21 situation. Yeah. Yeah. So how mad is that? I mean, that's crazy. heartbreaking. Well, at least they had a little bit of closure in the end. I mean, that family's lives must have been completely destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. We can't even, I don't know. Begin to imagine Yeah, exactly. It's just horrible, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So, moving on. In the hospital's old respiratory clinic, a Salem 49 had set up a room that was somewhat inspired by the video game Silent Hill. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a horror game, isn't it? Yeah. The actors and the mannequins in there were dressed as faceless nurses. So the Mm. actors would stand extremely still until a group of unsuspecting visitors passed them and they would lunge out towards them, making them scream. To make it even worse for the visitors, the room was lit entirely with a strobe light, making the actors' movements seem unnatural and jolty. Yeah. I hate strobe lights. Yeah. I hate strobe lights, and I hate that that wiggly, twitchy things that all the demons do in the horror movies recently. You're going to love this. Where they're like... Yeah, you're yeah. going to really like this one. So one evening, one of the actors couldn't make it. So Cammy, so that's Kim's wife, decided to step in and put on the costume for the Silent Hill room. So there were three actors in the room. And as she walked in, she nodded to the other two before taking her place. Now, because of the strobe lights and the claustrophobic costumes, which are like a whole bodysuit that zips up at the back of the head do you know the ones i mean oh nightmare yeah Yeah. like a massive body stocking type of thing Mm. the actors had to take breaks in between each group of visitors as the lighting can make them feel quite unwell so they just sneak into a hidden part of the room that is sectioned off take off their face masks and just enjoy some normal non-strobing light yeah yeah. So as Cammy was leaving the room for a break, she noticed another nurse following her. But the other nurse looked off. She was walking like she was drunk. Her head was tilted all the way to her shoulder. Cammy thought, great, she's been made sick by the lights, and continued to watch this nurse jolt with every movement, her head bent in a very bizarre way. Cammy made her way to the break area and held back the curtain for the nurse who was following her. 
but she never came. Cammy then noticed that her two fellow actors were already in the break room. She says, there's just three of us in there, right? And the two others looked at her really confused and said, yeah, it's just us three. Cammy then looked back into the room and there was no other nurse in sight. Oh, no, no. That terrifying nurse has never been seen again. Oh. Sounds like... No, I'm not... You're not loving it. I'm not happy. No. <laughs> no, I'm not happy that those things could be a thing. No, I'm not agreeing with that. I'm denying. Deny. No, I'm not a fan either. Yeah, we think you're lying, Emma. Sorry. No. <laughs> Deny. Deny. So she's never actually been seen again, but it sounds like a horrifying idea that something like that could be in there. Well, yeah. 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 Can you and and the way she was described is exactly like in the horror films, like just moving all jolty and dislocated and Ugh. no mercy. <laughs> no. Or if we if on the when we start again next season, if you come up to me and it's like, Oh yeah, the lady from the grudge is real and the woman from the ring. I'm not doing the podcast anymore. That's it, I'm finished. <laughs> well to be fair, this nurse sounds pretty damn close, isn't she? Yes, she is. They're awful. Have you seen, um, did you used to play uh, Silent Hill? No, I never played it. Well, I can't even play the PlayStation 1 game, which is all square and pixelated, so it just used to scare me so much. Can't be doing with zombie games. No, no. Too much of a wuss. In fact, you know, I said as much as I wanted to go to this place, the more I read about it, the more I was like, yeah, I would actually wet my pants. Yeah. You're kind of glad that it's that far away now. Yeah, a faceless nurse jumping out at me with a strobe light would make me piss my pants. Yeah, fuck that for a laugh. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So speaking of nurses, there is said to be the spirit of a nurse called Maria who guards a vortex in the hospital. Yeah. So there's been loads of psychic mediums that have come and, you know, had their little investigations and whatnot. And they've all picked up, all independently of one another without any previous information, on the same spot in the corridor and said, there's a vortex here where the spirits can pass in and out of the building. So Maria is said to be like a bit like a traffic warden deciding who can go and who can stay. And apparently she's quite stern. Who can stay and who can go. (laughs) Yeah. But not. I'm not saying she's nasty, but she does seem to be quite stern. Yeah. I'd like to say assertive. Like she doesn't let everybody through to the light kind of thing. Listen, Emma, not everyone deserves to go through. Well, no, apparently not. So Maria is the one who's deciding whether they can go or not. And this thing appears like a big beacon of light that we've said before, haven't we, when we've talked about like vortexes or portals yeah that it, it kind of beckons to spirits but if maria's having a bad day you're not getting through man if you're not on the list you're not coming in yeah Fair like enough. a ghost bouncer <laughs> a bit like a ghost bouncer yeah yeah the er is also said to be haunted by a doctor called nicholas who had been seen by many visitors peering over empty gurneys as if examining non-existent patients He doesn't seem to be nasty or anything like that, but he doesn't really seem to be aware that he's dead. Oh. 
Although those who have seen him describe him as being incredibly creepy and giving off weird, uneasy vibes. But if you imagine the amount of energy that must occur in an ER, the life and death situations, the emotions running high, it's hardly surprising that some energy is going to remain there. Yeah. He has been seen stood behind one of the actors who plays an evil doctor, cutting a patient to shreds. And this ghost is just behind this actor looking at him like, what on earth? What the fuck is going on here? You know? Because it's all blood and gore. So this yeah. doctor is obviously pulling blood and guts out of this mannequin. But for this ghost doctor, he's thinking, what? What? You know, that's not how you're supposed to do it. No. So I can't finish the story of Salem 49 without talking about one of its darkest entities, nicknamed the Guardian. So you'd think with a name like that, he would be a protective, gentle spirit. And you would be entirely mistaken. He is called the Guardian because he thinks he owns the building and all that enter. He's a bully and he likes to hide in the mazes of Asylum 49. So just to make this place even spookier, they have two mazes. What, outside? No, I think they're on the inside. So one's completely pitch black, made out of black plastic. So when you go in there, there's no light whatsoever. No, no, thank you. Yeah, no thanks. (laughs) And the other one is a mirror maze, which also... Oh, no. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of a maze anyway. No. No. So imagine these mazes, of course, have actors in there who are going to jump out at you and chase after you with a chainsaw and whatnot. But also, it's the favourite, like, this is where the Guardian lives. So you've got a proper really nasty ghosts to deal with as well while you're wandering around in a pitch black maze. Yeah, that that's not fun to me. <laughs> I'm just terrible though, because I know that someone's gonna jump out at me. Just makes me scream. Well you build up your adrenaline, don't yeah. you? So you're just like yeah. really tense and yeah. So yeah, so they've got these two mazes and this really nasty spirit that lives in them. So as the the visitors are walking around, they're thinking, who's going to jump out at me? And, you know, what's it going to be? When really they should be more afraid of the Guardian. It is believed that in life he worked at the hospital, but not as a doctor or a nurse. Something may be something to do with the administration. And by all accounts from psychics, he was not a nice man in life and is definitely keeping up that trend in death. He likes to push and frighten women, especially... Even Misty, the resident psychic, is afraid of him and will not enter the mazes alone. The security guard, Buck. So do you remember Buck from last week helping the little old lady? Yeah. Yeah. So the security guard, Buck, has had many a run-in with the Guardian, but funnily enough, he's never been bothered by him. Buck is not easily pushed around. And as with any bully, the Guardian is a coward. However, he has been slightly pushed and has bumped into an invisible presence in the maze while checking that it was empty before closing. Can you imagine that? You know, we talk about how closing pubs and stuff is shit. Yeah. And scary. Can you imagine having to be that security guard who walks around those fucking mazes to make sure they're empty before closing on their own? I do feel like they chose that job. I mean, (laughs) yeah, man... No. I mean, we all chose to work in pubs and restaurants and stuff, and we still had to close up. It's not pleasant. 
So yes, as he says, as he's been going round the mazes to close up and make sure it's empty, he has bumped into the massive, solid mass that he can't see because it's pitch black. But generally, the Guardian steers clear of Buck. So during Richard Estep's investigation, so do you remember Richard Estep's there on his six-day investigation? Yeah. Yeah. So on the last day, there was just two of them left. The others had all gone home or, you know, had to go back to work or whatnot. And they decided to try and make contact with the Guardian. Misty took two of the investigators to the Guardian's usual spots and asked him to come out. And they began to hear big, heavy footsteps following them into a room. He's here, said Misty. And he really doesn't like you, Richard. Richard replied in a sarcastic, boo-hoo kind of way, as he was trying to show the Guardian that he was not the boss. And funnily enough, the Guardian left and slithered into one of the near mazes. He's listening to us, said Misty. He loves gossip and knowing everyone's secrets. I get that (laughs) too. I'll be like, yes, tell me a secret. Oh, I don't know. The idea of this horrible entity just hiding in a maze, listening. Oh, I don't know. I think like for it. some reason I'm envisioning him like the shame wizard of Big Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. <laughs> I just can't. <sighs> that's the vision that I have of him, and it's making it less scary. I don't know why, because he's a bit like ooh, and then he. You've literally just. Like ruin the scariness because now every single person who listens will be imagining him to look like the shame wizard. wizard. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's a bit of a gossip. He likes a bit of a gossip. I'm gonna see him like sneaking, like listening and everything. Totally totes. Okay, is is the mass supposed to be more like a like a dementor kind of thing, or is it just like a mass, like a like a smoke? Like a ball of smoke with no features. No, he's like a big, solid, human form mask, like a big man. Oh, like a man. When you said a big solid, I was thinking of like a cube. That's not scary either. No, when I mean solid, I mean you you don't like pass through him. He's not like a puff of smoke. All right. Okay. I get it. I'm there now. I can vision it properly. It's a lot scarier now. (laughs) So the investigators followed him. I mean, why? <laughs> why are you following the scary entity? The scary mass. Yeah. That's not... And they check. Well, it's just like in a horror film, isn't it? Oh, look, let's go and split into ones and look at, look at, try and find this scary Yes, let's, l- let's separate. And you're just like, don't do that because at one point you're going to run away. Splitting up in a group. I'll be the one. And you're going to yeah, fall I'll over. I'll be the one that falls <laughs> over. I'll be the one that does this. Yeah. <laughs> So the investigators followed him and changed their technique, saying, now's your chance to tell who you really are. Are you just misunderstood? Do you want to clear your name? Misty said he's saying fuck you. In fact, he's screaming it right in your face. Over and over again. No. Fuck me. That could be teen teen angst, (laughs) though. It sounds like, yeah, fuck you, you're not my dad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that's quite how it was being said, but maybe. No, I maybe. don't think that's how it is. Screaming fuck you in his face over and over again. Fuck me, said Richard. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to tear down this entity without swearing, but letting him know exactly what he thought of his cowardly behaviour 
and his physical abuse towards women especially, again the Guardian just slunk away into another maze. For the rest of the evening, the investigators heard his footsteps pace up and down in the mazes, but he never made himself known to them again. Coward. Yeah, exactly. A big old coward. And that finishes up my three-part series on Asylum 49. Well, I can see why you needed a three-part, because there's a hell of a lot of ghosts in there. I know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I know we've got listeners in Utah. Just please, if you're brave, obviously, if you're like me, don't. But if you want to, please go to this place and tell me what it's like, because I'm so intrigued by it. Yeah, me too. It does sound like it'd be yeah. cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it'd be amazing to go there. In the daylight, with a load of torches. But yes. Why would you need a torch in the just daylight? pretty good. But if we're inside, if it's Oh, in dark. the maze and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting shut in a pitch black maze without a torch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And um, so all that information came from the book, The Haunting of Asylum 49, written by Richard Estep and Cammie Anderson. And it's, I haven't told you everything that was in that book. There was so much more. So, honestly, if you if you like that kind of stuff, yeah. Get the book, read the book, because there's so much stuff that I left out. Good stuff. What's the What's the book called again? Uh, the Haunting of Asylum Forty Nine. Oh, right. So yeah. Okay. There you go. So boom. Well done. Done. Three parter. Boom. Thanks very much. Really enjoyed that whole little trilogy. Trilogy. Oh, yeah, you're really welcome. Really I love yeah. researching it, so I now need to find another spooky place and. Another scary book to read while I'm trying to go to sleep. I've had some weird dreams, let me tell you. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. So now we're going to play you a trailer from another podcast um, that does all horror and spooky stuff called October Pod. So here's their trailer, and if you like it, just go check them out. Yeah. I'm Edward October. There's only one way to serve a fine bourbon. Poured neat and slowly savored. The retro horror stories served by Octoberpod are just as refined as an aged bourbon, but now there are two ways to enjoy them. Subscribe to Octoberpod Home Video on YouTube. There we debut our latest true, true-ish, and or classic tales of horror and the paranormal on the first and third Tuesday of each month. And now you can pour yourself a double serving of Octoberpod. Find October Pod After Midnight, that's October Pod AM for short, on your favorite podcast app. There, on the second and fourth Tuesday of the month, we serve up tall glasses of our most horrifying spirits, specially curated for you to savor. Each episode of October Pod AM lasts about an hour, just long enough to sip a good scotch by the fire. Now there are two ways to enjoy retro horror thrills of impeccable taste. Find all our links at OctoberPodVHS.com. OctoberPod. Retro horror for bold individualists. So there you go, OctoberPod. Go and check them out. Yes. Yes, Queen. We love those horror podcasts. I don't think I've ever said yes, Queen, to anyone. (laughs) That's really dark. It's so weird. <laughs> I said it and I was like, who am I? <laughs> who are you? 
Ooh, are yeah. Ooh, are yeah. Oh, my God, I was just about to say that. <laughs> um, I would just like to say, every time you said recorder, all I could think of was, <laughs> why is he going to go and get his recorder? To play a tune? <laughs> Mary had a little lamb? Yeah. When is anybody... Oh. Right, what... Is it just Please. me that... Right, this might offend any recorder players out there. <laughs> but... <laughs> Who plays a recorder apart from in school in music class? Oh, I was actually really good at the recorder. So was I. Of course, of course you both were. But when at any point... 20 out of 20 every time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> because so you had to learn it so so much in the UK. You had to learn it in primary school, whereas in France they didn't start teaching yeah. you it until college and still um, secondary school. Yeah. In England, I used to play in assemblies. Yeah, busting out <laughs> three blind mice. <laughs> three no, blind they, mice. Like, no, no, when you had to sing hymns in assembly, there'd be a piano and then there'd be the recorders and I'd play the recorder. So, my point being, apart from the school environment, <laughs> when have you yeah. ever seen somebody play a recorder? Well, they must be in orchestras, No. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think they're a gateway. Let's, let's they're a gateway out. to other instruments. Like if you can, if you're good at the recorder, you can go and play the clarinet or something else. Gateway instrument. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gateway instrument into the bigger, badder instruments. <laughs> it's the ones that people actually use. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just seems bizarre to me. I mean, Who even plays a recorder. Even the fucking triangle has a place in its orchestra. Bing. Not a recorder. Nobody. Ever. Tash, you were really good at the recorder, right? Has that ever been useful to you? Ever? Well, I can now read music a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 good to help you. Yeah. For what? Playing the recorder. I played the clarinet. <laughs> I'll have you know. Did you really? And yeah. um, actually. A famous recorder player is called Franz Bruggen. So, did you say Franz Bruggen? Yeah. Of course, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I know him. I think I've got two of his CDs. <laughs> Do you mean oh that CD? Do you mean? Re- ballad of the Recorder 1 and 3 <laughs> I also have that yeah they were they, weren't they like in the top 10 at one point yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure they're, he made it onto those you know remember those albums we all used to buy the now 94 or whatever yeah but they didn't get number 1 that year because Boys On got number 1 oh, they were so uh, close good old Fr- what, Franz Bergen yeah actually there's quite a few recorder musicians coming up. Well, so... hopefully none of them listen to our podcast because they're <laughs> going to be extremely offended. Yeah, do apologise. And I think also when you get better at the recorder, it obviously sounds better than what we were when we were playing it. I'd, I just can't see how much you can push a recorder, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> how... how the, I don't know. Maybe there are techniques that you I'm can, not aware uh, of. You can get your tongue in there, do a bit of th 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 on the end. Oh, the th 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 Yeah. Oh. 
Recorders are really good for if you could buy them as a present for the child of someone that you hate. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Actually, I'll bear that in mind. Yeah, if you ever, if I ever buy your kid a recorder, be warned. I hate you. <laughs> oh, do you remember in music in um, in yeah. French schools? I don't know if they do this in English schools. I hope they don't. But in French schools. As a teenager, this is probably the most mortifying thing. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're yeah, going to so say. We had to learn songs, right? And then... Stand up. You wouldn't... You, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't just have to sing it as a class. No, no. They would make you stand up behind your chair and sing a chorus <laughs> in front of all your classmates. Sorry. Only behind behind your chair. I had to get up and stand up next to the frigging piano while the um, yeah. b- bloody yeah. music teacher bashed out in all the notes. The, everyone. And he was so weird, that French teacher, wasn't he? The music teacher. Music with teacher. It. Yeah, because he had that typical music uh, teacher yeah. hairstyle with no hair on top <laughs> and all the hair at the back. Oh, he's had... His hair had he slid off. He wore really weird jumpers, didn't he? Yeah, and he had no neck. His neck, he was head, then chest. Zero neck. <laughs> and he looked like, he looks like he smelt. Yeah. I can't remember if he did or not. I don't remember. I based stunk of coffee and fags. Oh yeah, he did. He did smell of coffee. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, you br- bring a memory back there. <laughs> And Ooh. you just had to stand there and sing these really, really weird songs. I mean, they probably weren't weird songs, but to us, because we were still... I remember one oh, of I was them still quite... was that... Je t'amène au vent, that je t'amène au vent, that one. I don't know it. Oh, that was quite a trendy one, that one. Yeah, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't... We know that was the first... Didn't speak, um, didn't speak French at all. And we had to sing that Dans la vallée ha, ha. Da 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 Dans la vallée Well, but yeah. you got You got really trendy songs We didn't We got like all the old stuff Like um, You jouais du piano debout C'est peut-être un détail pour vous Mais pour Oh, vous, I remember singing beaucoup. that as well Do you know that one? Yeah Yeah yeah. So yeah, mortifying <laughs> as a teenager. Horrible. Oh, we did it. We had to do an English song once that. And when the saints go Come marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in. Yeah, that was the only one that I sang in front of the class. If not, I made him let me stay to the end and let everyone go, and then I sang it when everyone had gone. I just so I had to stay behind for five minutes to make any horrible. Do that. What is mortifying? That? Yeah, it's especially horrible. me super super um i wouldn't want to do it now but at the time i was so shy but also you got marked on whether you could sing it or not yeah you got marked whether you could actually sing yeah and i can't I and don't also it was in a foreign language on. i think you would be marked on whether you remembered it yeah whether you knew the words but the ones that actually could sing properly always got the better um but test awkward. results and stuff. like how much welly yeah. do you give it <laughs> I just remember Not a lot. like the cool kids because you know at, at various periods of time I was part of the cool kids you know that all snuck behind Ew. the sports hall for smoking and fingering under no <laughs> fuck bit after school break fingering I smoke no Tash everyone knows it's one hand on the fag and one down the pants 
Just because you don't want to admit it on the podcast, Emma, it's okay. We know. I never got we fingered know. behind the sports hall. Yes, you did. <laughs> only in front of it. Yeah, only in front where everyone can see. Can we stop talking about me getting fingered at all? While I was in, what is it, secondary school. <laughs> there was always that one girl that got fingered somewhere. Well, it wasn't me, Tash. I was talking about how mortifying it was that you were like this cool kid who smoked and, you know, was trying to play it, play it smooth. And then in one class, you just had to stand up in front of everybody <laughs> and sing some really shit songs. Shit songs. So weird, isn't and, it? And, oh, we had to move our feet to the beat. We had to like, march. <laughs> we had to march in rhythm. It's so was... horrible. What kind of fucking torture? Oh, but I'd have nightmares about that now. Like, I feel so embarrassed right now that I had to do that. <laughs> Did you guys have to do the marching as well? No. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't. Oh, God. I swear your, your music teacher was just a sadist and, like, torturing children. <laughs> she was. She was a bitch. Oh, it was a girl. Yeah, she was. She was a young, uh, young woman, actually, and... Uh, yeah, she was she was a bitch because that was dead mean. Shall I get on to my story? I mean, Even yeah. though it has been fun. <laughs> we did say we were going to be a bit more relaxed for the last Cute one. Cute little interlude there, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 There was. I mean, there was a ghost story in there at some point, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past playing a recorder. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of childhood trauma having to <laughs> march to the beat. As <laughs> fingering. <laughs> oh, yeah. Emma remembering her first fingering. <laughs> no! For fuck's sake! <laughs> I do remember my first fingering, and it definitely wasn't behind the, the, the sports hall. It wasn't. I'm um, going to start my story now. So my um, story takes place in December of 1997. So, on the 5th of December, 1997, Luz Cuevas gave birth to a beautiful baby girl who she names Delimar. Don't know how you pronounce it, so I'm just pronouncing it how it's spelled no, for fine. me. No, fine. Yeah. So, this uh, the little baby girl is the first girl that Luz has got. She's got two little boys. And she and the baby's father, Pedro all lived together in a two-story row house in North Philadelphia. Nice. So on the 15th of December, 1997, whilst Pedro was working outside on his cousin's partner's car, who's called Carolyn, Luz and Carolyn were talking on the on the doorstep and they had a little in common because Carolyn had just had a baby as well. And at this point, uh, Delima was uh, only about 10 days old. Cute. So they were having a chat. While they were chatting, the baby was asleep, was asleep upstairs in the front bedroom. Luz went inside to do, do a few dishes, wash a few bottles, you know. And then she turned around and saw black smoke coming down the stairs. She screams to Carolyn to go get Pedro. And then she runs upstairs to get the kids. She got the two older two and then went into the baby's room. 
baby's room was where the smoke was coming from. So the smoke was filled, well, it had filled up the whole room by then. Luz could not find Delimar anywhere when she ran into the room, but the smoke was very thick and she just eventually became overcome by smoking inhalation. Firefighters dragged Luz from the home. As they did, she could be heard screaming that her baby was still in the house. Oh my God. Luz suffered burns to her hands and face and obviously smoke inhalation as well. The fire by then had completely overtaken the baby's bedroom. Once the fire was out, firefighters started the sad task of looking for the remains of the baby. With the baby being so small, only bone fragments were found and a woolly, ashy substance. And apparently this woolly ash was what human remains looks like after a fire. Oh, so the little baby was there then? Yeah, it was. Um, that's what they found in the bedroom. The official cause of the fire was listed as an overheated extension cord attached to a space heater. Oh, shit. Yeah. Luz was heartbroken. The pain of losing a child is not something she would wish on her worst enemy. All she could think about was her little baby's face, what she smelled like, and her little dimples on her cheeks. Luz could not accept that her daughter died in the fire. She thought constantly of the moment that she went inside the room and she remembered that the crib was empty and the baby wasn't there. And also, she couldn't explain how the bedroom window ended up open despite it being a cold winter evening. She brought her suspicions to the fire investigators and the police, but they just put it down to Luz being distraught and the smoke was just blocking her view. And also, mm. she's just in denial about her baby's death. Which I can't even imagine how she was feeling. I mean, it's just the worst You'd thing. you cling to anything. Yeah. Awful. Horrific. Yeah. Plus, the fire department said that they did find the, her remains there. But why so, weren't they in the cot then? Well, they, the fire department says that when you're looking like that panicked and with smoke inhalation and all everything together and the fact that there's barely zero visibility... You just can't see anything. Right. Apparently as well, before the fire department got there, a neighbor's son ran into the house to try and get the baby as well, but was overcome by the flames and by the smoke and he couldn't get into the bedroom, but he thought he could hear a baby crying. Oh no. Yeah. And he had to run out and he was also a little burn as well. Becky, you're such a fucking downer. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Stick with it though. Just over six years later, in January 2003, Luz attended a birthday party for the child of an acquaintance. Whilst at the party, Luz caught sight of a little girl running round. She was about six years old, and when Luz saw her, she just stood there, shocked and with her, like, mouth open. She was struck by the resemblance of this little girl to herself and her other children. She also had the same unmistakable dimples as her baby did. The little girl was called Aaliyah. Being a fellow fan of true crime, Luz decided to get proof that this could actually be her daughter. So she called her over and told the little girl that she had some bubblegum in her hair. And she was able to yank out a few strands of her hair, hoping that DNA tests would prove that she was right. So she put the hairs in a towel and then in a plastic bag and would take them to a clinic to run a DNA test. Oh, she's a quick thinker. Yeah. 
A state legislator helped put Luz in touch with the police, who were very interested and launched an investigation and had the DNA test performed. The DNA test would come back to show that it was, in fact, her daughter. What? Yeah. The person who was posing as the girl's mother was Carolyn Correa that was there when the fire started. She was the one who Luz was chatting to on the steps. Yeah. Who said that she just had a baby as well. So, um, yep, a liar. So she hadn't just had a baby? Nope. It was all a lie. She just wanted to steal a baby. Yeah. And apparently she said that she'd had a baby three days prior. I mean, I know that it's all different and all countries are different, but in France, you're not even out of the hospital then. I know that in the UK, you can go home the same day sometimes. But yeah. Also, I wouldn't be walking around and not, I don't know, stitches, man. Oh, oh I just had to clench when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Please say that Carolyn, who was a resident of Willingborough, New Jersey, which is a suburb in Philadelphia, she, that she started the fire and kidnapped Delimar, whom she passed off as her own daughter. Bitch. Yeah. Police placed the child in New Jersey state custody. When police returned to Carolyn's home to confront her about the DNA results, she had fled, leaving behind three of her other children. Oh my god! Were they her children, yeah. though? Yeah, those were. So she already had three kids. She already had three kids, which... I've heard, you've heard of these baby snatching stories and it's usually of women that have kind of sent themselves a little bit, are unstable and then also are gutted because they can't have babies themselves so they steal someone else's where she already has kids. Exactly. Please, this is when police actually had a look, proper look at the investigation that they, of the fire that was done at the time and they cannot fully explain why, why Delimar was declared deceased. Officers at the time had found bone fragments, as we already know, that they thought that were the baby's remains. But when they actually tested them, they were showed to be non-human. So there was no bones, uh, no baby bones. They didn't even test to see if they were human remains. But why would they, to be fair? If there's a fire and everybody's saying there's a baby in there and then they find some bones. Yeah. Yeah. But the mum was screaming that the baby wasn't, you know, she made it known straight away that she didn't think the baby was there and she was That's sure very, the baby wasn't true. in the bad. When investigators also had, had arrived at the scene at the day of the fire, firemen had already dumped several hundred pounds of debris from the gutted bedroom in the backyard. So they couldn't go through, you know, a lot of it had already been moved. When officers sifted through the debris, they found mostly dry wool particles which they were told resemble human ashes, but only when the ashes are burned about 1,000 degrees for an hour or longer. Which wasn't the case. Which wasn't the case because the fire was put out. Uh, the fire only lasted about 15 minutes. The you know the fire department were there straight away and they put it out. They managed to just confine it to almost just that one room. Yeah. It didn't go past the first floor. And it was nowhere near 1,000 degrees. That is, takes quite a lot. It's almost like an oven. It has to be an oven to reach that kind of temperature. Oh, ovens aren't more than 1,000 degrees. No, like, like, um, like a furnace. I think that's what I meant to say, furnace. Not an oven. So eventually Carolyn was caught and she insisted 
that the little girl was hers. And while she was on the run, she even paid an independent lab to conduct another DNA test before she was arrested. Her lawyer would say if she didn't think that she was the mother, why did she spend $638 for another test? Because she's fucking mental. Mm. Yeah. Carolyn's best friend, Mary, said that Carolyn had been hysterical when she discovered that the DNA test showed that Aaliyah was not hers. She said this, so quote, she told me, Where's my baby, Mary Lou? I thought for six years that Aaliyah was my baby. If Aaliyah's not my baby, then who is mine? You don't have one, mate. Yeah. load of shit. A load of shit. Do you think she's like... I mean, obviously, insanely mentally unstable, but do you think she's just convinced herself to the point that she now no. thinks that yeah. this is my daughter? Yeah, I think she's just very, and it comes out later that she's just um, min- manipulative. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, I do think, and I mean, I know that um, mental health, it's a very complicated thing. But also, I just do think there's horrible people in the world and that we use mental health as a little bit of a wall. Obviously, she seems like a compulsive liar. But yeah, I wonder if, like you say, I wonder if she did believe her own lies after a while. So in court, Carolyn publicly accused the birth father of, uh, so Pedro. So she accuses Pedro of helping her commit the crime, which he absolutely denied. She said that Pedro gave me the baby. I loved her as my own. I really truly believed she was mine. Which doesn't make sense. If she was, just because if, like, that means if, like, if I give you my baby to hold, you can then say, oh, well, she's mine now. That doesn't make sense. It does if you're crazy. Yeah, but I wonder, so I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So she got the baby however she got the baby, whether she kidnapped her or Pedro gave her the baby but then she did raise that child for six years yeah and she probably truly does feel like that child is hers yeah yeah she's raised that child I mean I don't know whether she was a good mother or not you know she's clearly a bad person but that doesn't necessarily make her a bad mother yeah with the guy that she was with at the time she because when they found the the girl six years later she wasn't with the dad that she had played being pregnant you know she said that she was pregnant yeah to pedro's cousin yeah and i think it was getting closer and closer to the due date and she had to bring a baby up and then six years later she wasn't even she still wasn't even with him still so it was just it was almost just to keep the guy and then she wasn't even with him later listen bitches be crazy so, hang on. So she'd actually lied that she was pregnant and yeah. then obviously had to come up with a baby. Am I... Is yeah. This, is this what I'm getting? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I said that she had the baby at home. So not in a hospital. Okay. Yeah. So defense lawyers argued that Carolyn suffered from a psychotic condition in which women believe they are pregnant and had come to believe that the baby was, in fact, hers. So that's what her defence lawyers said. But prosecutors said that she willfully deprived Pedro and Luz of all their child's milestones, from crawling to talking to starting school for six years. And the grief, man, the grief. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, 
like fake the baby's death. Horrendous. Horrendous. So the judge, Palima Dembe, said that she had concluded that while Carolyn suffered from some depression, that she was more manipulative than delusional. Apparently, Carolyn briefly apologised in court for the confusion that she caused the two families, and I think that's uh, really underplaying that confusion. The judge found the sentiment far short of any acceptance of the magnitude of her crime. Fair play. She, but even though she didn't kill the baby, that mother thought that the baby had died. Exactly. That mother grieved for yeah. that baby for six years. For six years, and thinking that their baby had been burnt alive. Yeah, and that she couldn't. That it was her that didn't get to her in time. Oh fuck this woman, man! The judge also acknowledged that who, if anyone, helped Carolyn remains unknown. They think that investigators do believe that a second person was involved because the child disappears from an upstairs crib while Carolyn was apparently downstairs. But Pedro was not home at the time. He'd taken the car out and was still trying to fix it. But I think Pedro had alibis. And also, Luz could have slipped upstairs and, like, took the baby under her jacket. If the baby was, like, 10 days old, they sleep a lot. Yeah. But they said there's not enough evidence to make a case against anyone else. She pled guilty to kidnapping, interference of child custody and conspiracy. Wow. So, this is why I don't get the sentence in here. She was sentenced in 2015 from nine up to 30 years in prison. So, yeah. her sentencing was 30 years... If she was well behaved, she could get out at nine. Yeah, yeah. Probably up for parole after nine years. Yeah. Yeah. The girl, so Delimar, was reunited with her parents in March of 2004. So all the DNA tests were done. And then a couple of months later, she was released to her proper parents. And apparently she was thrilled about it, really, really happy. So what did they call her? Did she... Go back to She's her got a proper name. She's yeah, because I found uh, her Instagram and uh, yeah, she's called Delimar again. She's got gone back to her original name, and she seems like really happy. So, but that must have been. So how old was she? Six when she was reunited. Six. Uh, well, just gone seven when she was reunited with That's her parents. That's fucked up, mate, isn't it? For her, that must have been. That must have been so hard because she'd be like, "You're perfect strangers. I have no idea who you are." Yeah. Where's my mum? Apparently she was thrilled, though. Well, that's weird. I don't think Carolyn uh, mistreated her or anything, but um, no, apparently she was uh, happy to get her mum back. But she didn't know she'd lost her mum? No. No, she didn't know she'd lost her mum because she was only 10 days old when she was stolen. But um, she seemed to accept it pretty well. But that's it. That's all there is to the story. Well, I don't know what to make of that. The, I think the weird... No, I mean, it's not the weirdest thing. But I can't get my head around this little six, seven-year-old being thrilled because... Well, maybe maybe they weren't thrilled straight away. Because she'd be like, I've just lost my mum. Because yeah. obviously she thought that person yeah. was her mum. Her brothers and sisters, because there were three other kids. And I'm now living with these people that I've never met before. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I just imagine that was incredibly difficult to get through. I'm glad she's okay and she's happy, but fuck me. Yeah. Madness. Absolutely. 
Yeah, well, you think how attached you are to your... Well, I was. Anyway, how attached you are to your mum when you're little. Exactly. Well, maybe she... I don't know how she... I couldn't find many details on how she was brought up, so I don't know. I don't know how she was brought up, if she was uh, in a loving household or not. Yeah, that would make more sense if it wasn't a happy home. Then she'd be like, oh, thank fuck for that. You know, I'm out of that, but... I don't know. But horrible woman. Absolutely. Is she still in prison now? Yeah. Yeah, because she was sentenced in 2015 for the at least nine years. Why did the sentencing take so long? So long. Because wasn't the crime so in 1997? Long. Oh, yeah, yeah, but then she didn't get caught. It yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't get caught until 2004. And then like 11 years. Yeah, but that still took 10 years for the sentencing to happen. So where was she during those 10 years? I don't really know. I don't know how long she was on the run for, but I don't think it was very long. And by the way, a lot of my sources were from Wikipedia, CNN, and Fox News. Well, Fox News. Is that a source? <laughs> hmm. I'm going to use it as one today. Because it was the Fox News story that was, it was on the 13th of January 2015, and uh, that's when it said this Friday she was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Well, yeah, to the nine to 30 years in prison. Yeah. So God knows why it took so long. It's crazy. We well, I'm glad, I'm glad she got her baby back. Me too. But wow. Traumatic. Yes. Yes. For just, all involved. Yes. Just hor- horrendous. Horrendous. Oh! Becky, did you not want to do your ghost story or your listener story? Actually, yeah, I was just thinking. Ooh, shall we? Re- shall we read it out? We got a listener story. It's, it's not very. It's not very long. Okay. It's from um, Joey from uh, the Please Don't Follow Me Home podcast. That that sent it. In, that sent this in. Oh, okay. Oh, so the podcast I did the shout out to. That's cool. Yeah. So um, it is Joey, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't want to pronounce it wrong if I'm going to read this out. So, it says, Hello, Tash, Emma, and Becky. I hope you ladies are doing well. Since I used one of your spooky stories for our ghoul of the week, I thought I would pay it forward and send in a spooky story of my own. Love it. My husband does not believe in ghosts or anything paranormal. I take that back. He believes in aliens. So... We just moved into a new apartment in a new city. Right away, I started noticing things out of the corner of my eyes. Specifically, I would see a little girl, maybe five or six. Oh no, not the creepy kids. Not a creepy ghost child. So, this little girl was wearing glasses and pigtails, and she would peek out from the hall into the living room. Hold on a minute. Pigtails and glasses. I'm imagining, you know, the little blonde girl in Matilda that gets swung. Yeah, down. exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm imagining. But she's um, peeking, isn't she? Yeah. My mummy thinks they're sweet. Are you a pig, Amanda? <laughs> no, Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> Would I allow a pig in my school? Miss Trunchbull. Anyway, let's get on with that. Um, <laughs> brilliant film. Shout out to Matilda. Oh, such a good film. So she was wearing glasses and had pigtails. 
and she would peek out from the hall into the living room. What is it with ghosts and peeking? Is it like a sport? They need to pack it the fuck in. I don't like mm-hmm. it. You're either in or you're out. Stop peeking. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to bring this up to my husband because I didn't think he would believe me. The girl wasn't harming anything and she wasn't scary. So I just let her be. A few months after living there, my husband randomly turns to me one day and as calm as ever and in a very normal sounding voice tells me that he'd seen a young girl peeking out of the hallway into the living room. So he had seen it as well. Another time in the same apartment, I was sitting at a kitchen table late at night. The living room was dark, but the light was on in the kitchen. I'm looking down at whatever crafting project I was working on, and I see out of my peripherals, my husband walks out of the hall from my bedroom towards the kitchen. I look up at him to ask why he was up, only to find no one there. Nope, don't like that. Mm-mm. That's happened to me before. Have you never have you oh. never had that happen? Yeah, I've had definitely had it happen. Oh, it's freaky as fuck. Yeah. So that's it really. But it's just thank you so much for showing your support to us. I love spine chillers and serial killers. You're also funny and informative. Get us. <laughs> I love the singing, so don't stop. Oh, bless her. Bless Joey. Stop me now. We're having a ball. We won't stop singing. Yeah, never. Are we bad at it? Yes. Will we stop? No. No. I mean, I'm pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, you are. I am not. (laughs) Bess, so thank you so much, Joey, for sending that in. That did make me smile. When I saw it. That's Thank so lovely. Joey, we appreciate it. And honestly, guys, their podcast is, is really great. So go check it out. Please don't follow me home. Available on multiple podcast networks. So yeah, check them find out. Find them anywhere. Check them out. So should we wrap up episode 30? Yes. Yes. So we'll be back in a few weeks, guys. Yeah. I will post all our socials in the description and our email address also in the description of this episode uh so thanks for listening guys stay safe don't kill people and keep it weird bye, bye. bye.